This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information. Today on the Callahan Show, well, I still have a question, a nagging question. Can someone please explain to me why we left our people and our stuff in Afghanistan? God knows Joe Biden can't seem to answer that question, nor can any of the people around him. We will continue to ask, continue to figure out the mess he made in Afghanistan. We got lots of uh, elitist, smug a-holes embarrassing themselves over the weekend, including Stephen Colbert and Nancy Pelosi. We will tell you about them. They're going nuts in Australia. They're killing dogs as a uh, response to COVID. Uh, like, not deaths or anything, but they don't even have any cases. And they're killing dogs. We'll explain that to you. And we'll ask quite another question, COVID question. When is it okay to fat shame? What is it okay to tell people who are obese that they should trim down if they'd like to, you know, live? We'll get into all that and more on today's Callahan Show. Brought to you by DCU. Do you love your car but hate your car payment? No problem. Refinance your car today with DCU and they can help lower your monthly payment, lower your interest rate, or both. Applying is easy and their loan experts will help you find the loan term and the payment that fits into your budget. Get out of that high rate loan and get the interest rate and the payment you deserve from DCU. Learn more and apply today at dcu.org slash refinance. Insured by NCUA membership required. All right, Carano, let's do this. This is the Jerry Callahan Podcast. I don't want to brag here on a Monday morning, Carano, but I spent a lot of time this weekend. I spent a lot of time for the past week reading about uh, the situation in Afghanistan, reading about the uh, what's going on outside the airport in Kabul. I mean, I went from pronouncing it Kabul to Kabul because that's what most people do. I'm, I feel like I'm pretty... Pretty well informed at this point. Um, I don't know what more I can do to inform myself, and I still have a question. Maybe you can help me. I mean, you. I'll try. I'll try. You're a pretty smart guy. Um, can you just answer me one question? I mean, it's not a big question, but it's a question that's just nagging at me. Why did we uh, pull out of Afghanistan and leave our stuff and our people behind? Could you just answer that? Then we'll move on. I think that was the first question you asked when this topic came up, when, the, when this all happened a week ago, whenever it was, and there's still no good answer for it. 
there's no answer period it's so bizarre to me and i have i do have some liberal friends and i do have some people who don't um who aren't who, who, who voted for biden who wanted this who brought this on and i blame them this was this is on them but I can't. I can't even find a decent spin. I can't find a decent uh, uh, lie. Put it that way, to support this. I cannot find an answer to this. It's driving me nuts. I do not understand it. I do not understand it. If you're going to be, you know, the guy who got us out of Afghanistan, you know, stuck to your promises, you can blame uh, Trump for inviting the Taliban to Camp David and, and and other stupid things. That's fine. But why would you ever? pull out of Afghanistan and leave our people and our stuff behind. Um, I, I've asked this on Twitter. I've, I've, I've looked for an answer. I mean, someone tweeted me yesterday and says they had to leave the stuff behind so that the Afghan army could fight, but the Afghan army didn't fight. I mean, didn't they, they didn't last two days and we knew it. Millie knew it. He lied. Austin knew it. Everybody knew that the Afghan army wasn't going to fight. They didn't need our stuff, but I'm just looking at the story. And it's, it's, it's almost underplayed in my mind. We left Black Hawk helicopters. We left, um, I'll just give you a couple of things. We left A-29 Super Tucano attack aircraft. We left M4 carbines, M16 rifles, AK-47s. We left drones. We left uh, Humvees and mine-resistant ambush-protected vehicles. We left... Uh, about 80 to 100 million dollars. Do I have that right or is it 100? I don't even know anymore. We left millions and millions and millions of billions, I'm sorry, billions, billions of dollars worth of US military equipment. We gave the Taliban an instant air force. They didn't have an air force for the last 20 years. They beat us anyway. <laughs> they beat the greatest superpower in the history of the world, lost to these sixth century savages without an airplane. Now they got some airplanes, they got some choppers, they got a Blackhawk, at least one. They have drones, they have Humvees. Why? Just to, Why? Make, just to make you feel better about things, each one of those airplanes, $66 million. So, so, so and, and I, I understand the, the media has a job. The job is to help Biden get through this. This is a crisis. It is, it is jeopardizing his, it put, his entire presidency is in peril. We know that now. And if he didn't have such an awful uh, vice president, I think there would be a much louder outcry to uh, uh, for him to step down. He is inept. He is incompetent. He is unable to do this job. We know that now, and we'll get to some of the evidence, the latest evidence. But I can't get past this. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. Maybe this is what you do. It's not you. When you, when you, when you surrender, you leave your stuff no. there. But it, it, we're going to see if we ever, if we have a battle, and there was if you're just waking up, there was a battle at the Kabul Kabul airport, a gunfight uh, with the Taliban and some um, U.S. troops, I believe British troops also, one dead, a number of injured, a two-year-old girl dead um, at the airport. Um, this it, it's 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 simmering. So if there is indeed a battle, if there is you know some firefights, and we see some taliban savage flying a black hawk or uh, you know maybe it's an afghan army guy who was trained to do that who switched switch sides and joined the taliban if we see we've already seen pictures by the way and i know the media will do their best to bury this 
but we talked about iconic images last week and the image of people jumping from or falling from the uh, airplane, including a 19-year-old soccer star who somehow thought it was a good idea to hang on to the fuselage of a departing C-17. He died falling from the airplane. Those are images that we will see we will, if, if you look in the right places forever. That's on Biden. That kid, that 19-year-old kid, is his blood is on the hands of Joe Biden. But we have another image that is going to, and again, the media will do their best to bury it. Uh, um, it's unfortunate because I think this is something everybody should see. This is these these savages, these Stone Age savages, uh, wearing U.S. military, U.S. Army um, camouflage, and mocking Iwo Jima, mocking the iconic photo from Iwo Jima. Where the uh, the U.S. Marines held the uh, flag up, and uh, there's you know book flags about fathers about it. The uh, the movie, uh, everyone knows that image. It's it's seared in our brains. It's uh, it's an image of victory. Well, the Taliban mocked it, and if that doesn't infuriate anybody and everybody, I don't know what's it going to take. They have our stuff. They have our people. We have U.S. citizens and. You know, we're getting some out, but they're still there, and there's a lot, and uh, I'm not sure we're going to get them all out. Jerry, and you you, a- you asked a few minutes ago if that's, you know, standard operating procedure, to, uh, procedure if you're just going to leave a country, you leave all your stuff there and all your people there. Well, no. I mean, historically, I listen to hard, hardcore history. Historically, if, like, if you're the Huns or the Roman army or even in World War One and War, World War Two, if you retreat, you, like, burn everything or take well, it. <laughs> what? what? I, 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 I don't know. Maybe I'm not much of a military tactician. But I can think of a way to get an aircraft uh, or a Blackhawk or a plane, get it out of the country. I mean, you don't need a tow truck. You don't need to, you know, carry it. You know, you just start, you turn the key, you start it and you put it in gear and you take off and you fly somewhere else. You fly to some neighboring country, Uzbekistan or somewhere else before you surrender to the Taliban. You get the stuff out. If you have to destroy it, I guess you do that. You destroy it like we destroyed one of the choppers when uh, they killed bin Laden in Pakistan. Right. Uh, Brian Williams famously said uh, one of the Navy SEALs took a piece of that chopper just to give to him as a souvenir. They wanted to make sure Brian Williams got a, a souvenir from that uh, mission. Uh, obviously, it was made up like everything else Brian Williams said. But I still will never – I guess maybe someday I'll get an explanation. Maybe someday I'll be – I'll I'll read something that makes sense of why we left so in in such a hurry and left behind our stuff which is now being used to mock us by a a a, a group of these these terrorists a bunch of terrorists are wearing American army gear and mocking the uh the guys who raised the flag on Iwo Jima I I'm sorry that that almost makes it seem like we should be attacking attacking you know we should be um we should find where they are i mean there are pictures of these guys celebrating in whatever in the in the you know the the not the castles the mansions or that uh the the previous president lived in and 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 the pictures include a bunch of known terrorists guys who were at a gitmo and obama or uh or uh or biden let them go and now they're back on the battlefield trying to kill americans I just tweeted out a story this morning about this. The number of former Gitmo guys who are now 
leading the Taliban and who now control their own country. When do we go in and kill them? When do we go back in there and kill them? Because we know where they are. We know who they are. We know that they're terrorists. We know they have American blood on their hands. Are we just we just going to continue to uh, you know, shuffle out of that country as quickly as possible, the way that Joe Biden shuffles off stage <laughs> after giving a speech? Is there anything more pathetic than when he turns around and he just does that old man shuffle and they're yelling questions at him and he just turns around? He, it's, it's just it's a sad. There's a lot of really sad images these days. For America, obviously, they're laughing at us around the globe. That was just one of the many, many lies Biden told last week when he said, you know, he hasn't heard anything about them. You know, the the the, uh, the disapproval of these other countries. He said just the opposite. They said you guys did the right thing, but just a total lie. The latest is Tony Tony Blair, uh, former Prime Minister of uh, of England, uh, called Biden an imbecile. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the kind of respect you get in jail from a, a hardcore liberal in Great Britain calling you an imbecile. Yeah, they really respect you a lot. We will get to Biden's speech uh, from yesterday, another train wreck as he tried to pronounce the uh, the woman who runs FEMA. That was an interesting moment when he just couldn't. I mean, he's obviously looking at the damn teleprompter, trying to read this woman's name, and he could not do it. Then he goes to questions, and I'm sorry, this is just an embarrassment. This is a national embarrassment. He pulls the card out with the names written on it because everything's pre-screened and pre-scripted, and they know what questions are coming, and they know who to call on, and they do not call on Peter Ducey and anyone else who might actually ask a real question. Everything he, he gets in terms of questions he's expecting, he knows that he's prepared, or they as best as they can prepare him. But watching him read those names off the card and then look back down and read the name off the card, that's not presidential. That's not leadership. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating watching this thing go down. But it, it can never get – I'll, I'll say this for Biden. I don't think he can ever look worse than he did with George Stephanopoulos the other day. And I know we talked about it Wednesday, but that interview – that was the that was the end. That that there's nobody who could watch him sit down with his friend George, and stumble and bumble and talk about four days ago and do and and think yeah he can handle the next three and a half years. To me, if you saw that interview, and just saw the way he struggled, I guess because he didn't have a teleprompter, and he couldn't have somebody in his ear. It, it, you just said <clears throat> that's guy is that guy's just not all there. He's just not all there and and. Some people, I know Howie Kahn wrote about this this weekend. He said, Tucker Carlson always says he feels sorry for Joe Biden. And Howie says, no, I don't feel so sorry for Joe Biden. It doesn't matter, right, whether you feel sorry for him or not. You, We all agree he is cognitively deteriorating. It oh. is not going to get better. It is going to get worse. I've it spent plenty of time around people afflicted with dementia. One thing I know is it never gets better. You might have a good day and a bad day, but your cognitive state, the condition of your of your brain or your mind does not improve. It's not going to heal. He's going to get worse. And something like this, a very stressful situation, is it's, it's going to expose him. And one of the symptoms, one of the things that people with dementia have in common is they get a little frustrated. They get a little snippy because yeah. they cannot recall the words or they cannot remember things and it gets frustrating even if they're in you know in their better days younger days they were perfectly calm and composed when you get to that state you get a little 
edgy. And uh, that's what we see from Biden if he gets asked even a, a, a question that's even remotely, I don't even say, I didn't even want to say hostile, but just if it's if they're not just slurping him and 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 you know slobbering all over him, he gets frustrated and it's gonna get worse. Yeah, Stephanopoulos, I thought was super fair the entire time. He didn't ask; he had to ask those questions, or he, he'd be looked like he'd be looked at as you know not a competent reporter. Um, right. But they weren't they but they weren't that pointed. They were just you know on some specific stuff, and they he he did so poorly they had to cut out like six minutes of the video to try and to edit it down. Uh, but <laughs> if you if, if you want to see media bias in at work, and obviously you see it every day with the Washington press corps and the cover up for everything. I mean, it, 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 the list of things that they helped Biden lie about, or they helped Biden hide out during the campaign so that he wouldn't be exposed to the to the voters. He, they let him hide. They did the campaign for him. But things like the bounties on U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan, which designed for two things that that was a lie. Uh, spread in the New York Times, and it was designed to do two things, to hurt Trump, obviously, that the Russians have bounties on American soldiers, and to uh, stop the uh, withdrawal, because they didn't, they didn't want Trump to you know, pull out of Afghanistan. And be, let's face it, if he pulled out of Afghanistan, he would have taken our stuff and our people. He would have done it right. Uh, so they stopped him with that lie. They lied. The Atlantic Magazine lied about Trump calling servicemen losers and suckers. And it it was all by design. They make that up. They put it in their magazine. And then Biden treats it as gospel, goes to the debate and says, he called our troops losers and suckers when he knows it's all made up. There was one lie after another that they, that they helped spread and advance so that Biden could beat Trump over the head with it. And But the biggest lie of all, perhaps, was that he, he is okay. I mean, that, wouldn't you say that's the biggest lie yes. you get from the media? that he is not struggling, that he is not in a state of deteriorating, met, mentally deteriorating. But here's a great example, kids, if you're, uh, if you're, if you want to learn about media bias, ABC, obviously they, Stephanopoulos sits down with the president, his friend, obviously George Stephanopoulos goal is to not uh, trip him up to help him as much as possible, but he can only do so much. As you point out, there are questions he had to ask. He had to ask about people falling out of the plane. Yeah. He had no choice. So what do they do with some of his answers that were just embarrassing? You know what they do? They got them out. They edit them out and they're on the cutting room floor and we never get to hear some of the worst gaffes. I mean, there's one answer. Yeah, so it's just so Embarrassing yeah. about he, he doesn't remember what branch of the service his son Bo served in. Yeah. Yes. Here's here's yes. the answer that yes. they cut out that would have been uh, it would have been notable to say the least if if he actually said this and it appeared on the uh, on ABC that night or that day. <clears throat> He's asked about uh, to respond to a veteran saying he wished the U.S. could have left Afghanistan with honor. Biden responds, "Quote, look." That's like asking my deceased son, Bo, who spent six months in Kosovo and a year in Iraq as a Navy captain and then major, I mean, as an Army major. And, you know, I'm sure he had regrets coming out of Afghanistan. I mean, out of Iraq. He had regrets to what's how, how it's going. But the idea is, what's the alternative? The alternative is, why are we staying in Afghanistan? Why are we there? Don't you think that the one, you know, who's most disappointed in us getting out? Russia and China. All right. Bo 
his deceased son was in Iraq. He was um, with the U.S. Army, the U.S. Army National Guard. He wasn't in the Navy. I mean, he doesn't remember what branch his son who died was in when he was in at war. <laughs> That's a hell of a thing to forget, especially if you're going to use your son's death for political gain, which is what he does. But they cut that out. Obviously, they cut it up for a reason. They don't want to embarrass their, their friend, Joe Biden. But that is embarrassing. And that is uh, that's the media bias at work. Here we are helping Joe Biden, not allowing him to stumble too much. I mean, obviously, there's only so much you could do. Oh, yeah. Like like yesterday when when um, he called on the uh, media, you know, went to his list of questions. Uh, and and named the names, and he, he struggles just to read the names. He can't read the last names. He goes, uh, uh, Ed, when he goes to Ed O'Keefe, I believe, with CBS. Oh, uh, yeah, Ed. And Ed, I don't, I mean, obviously, they planned this in advance, but he still wasn't ready for it. When Ed asks about the polls, yeah. or the public, who doesn't think, uh, you know, the majority of the American public does not think he's capable of doing the job anymore. That's a pretty big deal, Mark, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I totally do. I mean, it's a huge deal. and. I, so, you know what? I wanted to ask you something. So, I was a little bit too young to, like, really be involved and, you know, and noticing this stuff at the time. But I heard that the kind of towards the end of Reagan's second term, it started to get rough for him. Is this as bad? Is this worse? Oh, this is much worse. Much worse. That, first of all, it's six months in. And secondly, <laughs> I don't remember any. I mean, I think it was just the opposite. The media was invested in making Reagan look bad. Yeah. And one of the real frustrations the media had is his wife, Nancy, was very protective. You never saw a picture after he'd left office, after, you know, eight glorious years. He left office. You never saw him stumbling, bumbling. You never heard him. Uh, she protected him till the day he died. There's no picture of him wandering around the, the yard in his slippers and his robe and, you know, talking to the trees. Nothing like that ever yeah. happened. There's all, it's been six months. There's already a dozen instances instances of Joe Biden looking you know clinically uh unwell and it's seven months in it it, the idea that he could do this job for three and a half more years i mean i can't imagine being able to do this job for six more months it is beyond impeachable beyond i mean think of what they impeached trump for they they impeached trump for asking the asking ukraine to look into the corruption involving biden which is his job you know to root out corruption and we know the Bidens are corrupt and making money. We know that. We've got on videotape of Joe Biden threatening the prosecutor, uh, threatening the Ukrainians if they don't fire the prosecutor that's looking into his son's business dealings. That was that was you know made up. And then they uh, impeached him for saying, let's go down the Capitol and patriotically and peacefully protest. Impeach for that after leaving office. What do you do to a president who pulls out of Afghanistan and leaves our people and our stuff in harm's way and I mean, we're getting lots of people out, but we're not going to get everyone, and it could get really, really ugly. Lots of you know, military experts are predicting this is going to get ugly. There will be hostages. Then what? Then what? Then, yeah. then talk about President Harris, which is frightening. Scary but- in its own right. The, so the gaffes were pretty crappy to read that they cut out from ABC, but what, the one that bothered me the most was actually when he sounded kind of cogent. And obviously, you know, we only have the transcript here, but it was when Stephanopoulos was asking, let's get right to it. Uh, back in July, you said a Taliban takeover was highly unlikely. Was the intelligence wrong or did you downplay it? And Biden cogently says there, I think there was no consensus. 
If you go back and look at the intelligence reports, they said that it's more likely to be sometime by the end of the year. So he's cogent, but he contradicts himself what he said a month ago. And, and unfortunately for Joe, there's videotape yes. of him July 8th, you know, saying uh, just the opposite. He said it of what would he's never happen. Now. It's not going to happen. Right. It's not going to happen that the Afghan army was you know, 300,000 strong, oh, right, or yeah. as he liked to say, has 300 people, which is what he said the other day, that the Afghan army has <laughs> 300 people. And he thought they were going to hold up. Nobody thought they were going to hold up. Nobody. They know. They knew they were going to lay down their arms, turn tail and run. They did it anyway. It's just mind boggling. I'm going to ask this every day, Karan. I'm going to say, have you heard anything, seen anything of anyone anywhere? Answered the question, explained what the hell this old dementia patient was thinking when he said, we're gone. We're out of here. Leave our stuff. Leave our people. Leave the interpreters. Leave the citizens. Let's go. Yeah. It just, it was, I, I, and I, I, here, here's the political strategy, by the way, which is driving me nuts. And I, I tweeted about it yesterday and I'll continue to is he comes out, whether it's with Steffi or it's in front of the media or wherever he comes out and just talks about why we had to withdraw, why we had to leave, which everybody agrees we should leave. That's not the question. I, it's, it, this, it's just some political strategy to get everyone off the real subject, which is why didn't we do it right? Why did we leave in such a hurry? Why did we leave our people and our stuff behind? Those are the questions that everybody has and this guy can't answer them. So he starts talking about how long did you want to stay? If you left a month ago or a month, he still would have had chaos. And it's a, such a simple question. This is why it's devastating to his political fortunes, to his to his place in, in office. I think it's devastating because it's very simple to understand. Everybody listening to us right now understands that we left Black Hawk helicopters. We left drones. We left Humvees that the Taliban are now using. We left him an instant, left them an instant air force. That's easy to understand. That's not complicated. That's not some, you know, uh, big uh, scheme to to avoid paying taxes or something. It's very simple. We left Black Hawk helicopters, and now these sixth-century savages have them, and they can use them on their own people, on our people, on whoever, on on you know whatever. The idea that that is the that the question is. Why are we leaving? It's not. It's not. Everyone wants to leave. Everyone agreed to want to leave. Okay. Why are we leaving this way, Mr. President? You stumbling, bumbling, feeble-minded old fool. That's the question. And, and I still am waiting for an answer. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have it. But and I still think, like you were right when we talked about this uh, this last week. That so if it were if it were a longer process, if the Taliban, if it took the Taliban six weeks, two months, three months to take over, then maybe that tactic would have worked from the Biden administration, but it was so fast, it doesn't work. We saw it happen real time in like two days. Two days, that's about how long they lasted. And I think we're getting a glimpse of just how inept, corrupt even the um, the generals are, the God knows the Joint Chiefs, uh, the head of the Joint Chiefs and uh, Milley and the Secretary of Defense in Austin. I think there's, there had to be real disagreement, but they're not gonna voice it right now because the, they are political, creatures looking uh, to protect their own ass. Um, but if you follow any of the you know, enlisted guys, any of the guys who did the fighting, and I mentioned Robert O'Neill, Joey Jones, these kind of guys, they're all disgusted. They're disgusted with their generals. They're disgusted with their president. And that ain't going to change. There's not going to, we're not going to suddenly get our stuff back. You as, as one, I forget who it was. One military analyst said, we probably can't ask for our stuff back now. It's probably too late. <laughs> oh, no. and, and, and somebody asked this question yesterday. They said, 
could we go back to Bagram and just say, we're going to keep Bagram? And they said, no, it's not, it's not possible. They have it now. They have Bagram. They have our embassy, which costs $700 million. And they apparently have a database with the names and addresses of everybody who helped us. Somebody can explain to me how Biden could have done this any worse, how they could have made and had done this with with less forethought. The idea that they, now they'd have the names and addresses of everybody who collaborated, everybody who was an interpreter, this is going to get ugly. And uh, I guess, you know, Biden will just keep talking about that. How long did you want to stay? How long? Did, there were a couple of real notable um, interviews, moments over the weekend. I think the, perhaps the best was when um, Blinken, uh, Tony Blinken was asked by Chris Wallace on Fox News, and I, I I will explain to you why this was so devastating, but the question was a good one. Chris Wallace, uh, uh, bad news for Joe, bad news for Joe Biden. He has lost Chris Wallace, perhaps his most devoted rump swab, Chris Wallace. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there were too many people that worked harder to get Biden elected than Chris Wallace, who I hate. but. He, uh, he, he uh, moderated one of the debates. He was totally unfair. He was totally there to help Biden. And, you know, it worked. He, he, he kept jumping on uh, uh, Trump and kept saving Biden when Trump was going in for the kill. But anyway, it's over. Chris Wallace has uh, bailed on his friend Joe Biden. Chris Wallace asks Blinken, what's the exact question? He says, does Joe Biden not know what's going on? That's a pretty... Pretty good question, since that's the question everybody would like answered. If you're a Biden um, person, you're obviously in his cabinet, you're secretary of state, he gave you the big job, you're, uh, you're, you're failing miserably at it, but he gave you the big job. What do you say to that question? The answer is yes. <laughs> you say yes. Saying, of, course, of course he knows what's going on. Of course. And you might even get a little defensive and say, what kind of question is that? Of course he knows what's going on. He's, he's directing us all. I mean, he's on top of everything. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say anything close to that. He just kind of, you know, changes the the course of the conversation. He does not say, yes, he knows what's going on. But let's listen and listen as as two things happen. Chris Wallace bails on his bail Biden and Blinken does not, does not deny that Joe Biden is out to lunch. Mr. Secretary, does the president not know what's going on? This is an incredibly emotional time uh, for, for many of us, uh, and including allies and partners who've been shoulder to shoulder with us in Afghanistan for 20 years uh, at high cost to themselves as well as to us. They stood with us after 9-11, invoked Article 5 of NATO for the first time, an attack on one is an attack on all, and we've been there together. But I've got to tell you this, Chris, from the get-go, uh, I've spent more time with our NATO partners in Brussels virtually uh, from he sounds he sounds so weak he looks so weak that is not the guy you want up front the face of this this nation and uh, in a time of crisis like this but that was not uh, it was a good question but it was not a tough question anybody who's on biden's side would just immediately say of course he knows what's going on how dare you he didn't do that no he doesn't do that he, he didn't says, answer the question at all emotional time yes. an emotional time the hell does that mean? It means that Emotional? he does not think his boss knows what's going on. That's exactly what that means. It means I can't answer this question honestly because later on when everybody finds out, when the tests are out, showing that his mind is pea soup, 
I'm going to get flack for it later on. So he doesn't answer the question at all. He just evades, runs away. He's, he sure does. And, and he just, every interview he does is, is uncomfortably so weak. He looks just like a guy who's just trying to get through it. Who's not there strongly standing up for this country. He's like, looks like one of those guys who would like to, you know, apologize. One of those Obama types would like to apologize for this country. You know, we are not proud of our history. He does not look like a proud patriot who should be the face of the United States of America in front of the world. I, I, he, he might, his head might roll. He might be the one someone's going to have to pay at some point, whether it's Millie or Austin or all of them. The idea that nobody has lost a job over this yet is, is amazing to me. I know Biden eventually will, but uh, the idea that nobody gets blamed for this, nobody has to has had nobody's head rolls. It just seems uh, incredible. I guess that's the way it works in Washington. You just fall up, man. You fall up. But let's go to yesterday when Biden comes out at uh, whatever it was, four o'clock to give a speech. And obviously the, uh, the uh, mortician did a nice job. The tie was right. This makeup was on. You know, the hair was combed nicely. He was staring just uh, desperately at the teleprompter, reading the words, which is not all that easy for Joe anymore. But right off the bat, he started to talk about how this um, woman who's really, really important. She's really, really good. She's the FEMA director. He just didn't know her name. He couldn't even read her name. This was uncomfortable. And this, again, must you're one of his people. You're behind the scenes. You're Susan Rice or Barack Obama. You must be going, Joe, the name is right in front of you. How can you not read the damn name? But do we have that? Yeah, yeah. here it is. Uh, Dan, uh, Chris Well of, uh, of FEMA. Yeah. Hold on, hold don't on. You have, don't you have the beginning of that yeah, at all? Yeah, I do. I'm no? sorry. Uh, for some reason, it started a little bit halfway. I got like 10 seconds. Here it is. I can't uh, think of anyone better to lead this operation than, than uh, uh, Dan uh, uh, Chris Well of, uh, of FEMA. <laughs> I can't think of anyone. She's the best. I can't read her name, but... Uh, uh, remember meeting then, her. He has no idea who she is. <laughs> uh, do you know who she is? Because I don't. No, but I mean, he's the president. Like, he should know who this person I, is. I don't have it, like, written on the teleprompter oh, in front of me. No, Deanna? Deanna. Deanna. I couldn't quite I make out. Deanna. Deanna something. Hold on. Criswell. Criswell. And he couldn't think of anyone better than Deanna Criswell to uh, lead this operation. It's not but a it hard is- name either. Criswell is not a hard name to pronounce. Uh, it is funny, though, when he comes out and talks about the, the hurricane, you know, which I'm sure he's very disappointed. didn't turn out to be as devastating as they had hoped because they needed a distraction. It's like when he came out and talked about COVID the other day, just babbling on about COVID. And you're going, wait a second. There are 10,000 Americans behind enemy lines. You're talking about COVID? You're talking about the weather? I mean... You can't do that. You can't do that. This is your doing. You did this. This is on you. The blood is on you. The mess is on you. You're not going to divert everyone's attention to the freaking weather and, uh, you know, how much uh, you're here to help the states who are, uh, you know, getting floods or whatever, going to have COVID spikes. Uh, they desperately need something to divert the attention, which is why I think you're going to see a wag the dog moment very soon. I'm not sure. Who's getting blown up or what's getting blown up, but something is getting blown up real soon. Well, Biden was talking about, uh, you know, other terrorist organizations in Syria and Eastern Africa. So maybe he's just setting up for a target there. 
Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. And, they'll, and you know, he needs that. And he's going to, you know, that he won't hesitate to do that. But do you feel sorry for Joe Biden? I want to go back to that question because I don't. I'm with, the, I think I'm with Howie Carr on that one and not with my man Tucker. I felt sorry initially when his wife forced him to, you know, up on stage and forced him to run, even though she knew he wasn't up for the job. She's the one that's just, just looking for the power of the office and she got it. I mean, they got him elected. But, uh, I mean, we know what he's all about. I can't feel sorry for him. It's not like an av- just going to a nursing home and seeing some person in that state saying, oh, that poor person. I mean, we know what he's done to the country already. Well, I mean, and it's it, hard to feel sorry for that guy. Yeah, and it, not, just, not just like the contemporary example, too. So I, I have a hard time. Yeah, I look at him and I have an initial little spike of empathy. But then I think, well, this guy, you know, has so much power to move the military, to bomb people. He's causing so much destruction and, you know, and damage and loss of life in the world now that I can't have empathy for him. But then I also think about his 50-year career and how he escalated the drug war and all sorts of stuff. And I I just, I can't, no, I want him, I want him gone. Like, I want him out of office. I know, although I'm telling you, I think one stroke of genius was uh, naming the worst politician in American history as his running running mate. And we saw her yesterday. There's a, you know, our southern border, there's a crisis at the border, I guess. You could say there's a hurricane and the COVID and everything else. And a war, uh, or a withdrawal, a surrender in Afghanistan. And where is our vice president? She's in Singapore and going to Vietnam and giggling. Uh, It is amazing. She arrives, I think, at Singapore. And the first question, obviously, is about our Afghanistan surrender. And she does what she always does. She just starts giggling. I got the video. You want to see it? Yeah, let's let's, let's, uh, watch Kamala Harris laugh at the situation in Afghanistan. What's your response to reports of Americans? Hold on, hold on. Slow down, everybody. I want to talk about two things. First, Afghanistan. have a higher priority right now, and in particular, our priority is making sure that we safely evacuate American citizens, Afghans who work with us, Afghans at risk, including women and children, and that is one of our highest, if not the highest priority right now. One of our highest. One of our highest. Uh, Yeah, she's in Singapore trying to make some trade deal, but... uh... I, that, that, I can't look at that. I'm sorry. I can't. I, I think I'd rather have uh, Dementia Joe. I can't look at that and listen to that laugh for the next three and a half years. I mean, she would be a really weak candidate in uh, 2024 against uh, Ron DeSantis or, or Donald Trump. But I don't think I can handle that giggle, that, that cackling for, for three and a half more years. This was a really, really bad weekend for uh, the leaders of Joe Biden's party. We will... Um, you want who do you want to do first, Pelosi or Schumer? Let's do Schumer. I Let's mean, do Schumer. Chuck Schumer was at this stupid concert on Central Park, which was supposed to kind of uh, signify an opening of New York City, a reopening of New York City after uh, the uh, insane overreaction to COVID shut down the city and ruined so many restaurants and 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 gyms and small businesses. They were uh, ringing in a new era with a concert that had. You know, some heavy hitters, Springsteen and Paul Simon. Of course, it rained. So uh, it got called like the halfway through, I think. I was actually flipping by, checking this out, trying to see what, uh, you know, I was hoping to see Springsteen. I don't think he actually performed. I think after, I don't know, a few other people performed, they called it because of rain. But there's one image that la- will last forever. And one image that to me sums up the, the, the problem with 
with the with the powerful the problem with the powerful in media and in politics these days and it is the most uncomfortable the most embarrassing video i've ever seen of a quote late night comedian uh it is stephen colbert dancing dancing with chuck schumer the uh, the majority leader in the senate you tell me what would compel colbert when chuck schumer waved him up said let's dance why wouldn't you just say no? I mean, I'm I'm supposed to be a late night comic. I'm supposed to be somewhat of a, a, uh, of, a of a contrarian of a, of a guy who pokes fun at the powerful and and the and people like that. As I said, I think late night comedy was invented to mock people like this, like Chuck Schumer and Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert's a late night comedian and he's literally dancing with Chuck Schumer and think and doesn't see the you know, doesn't see the utter uh, humiliation of such a thing. It was remarkable. It went viral, and I hope it stays viral because I hate Stephen Colbert, and this thing should should haunt him because he because he thought it was a good idea. He didn't think there was anything wrong with going up. There. Can you imagine just for a second? Since I don't, know, Greg Gutfeld, since he's the new king of late night, or you know, Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson, dancing with Mitch McConnell, dancing with Mitch McConnell, like on stage, like literally. Making the moves to the music. That's what this is. That's what this was. If you call but these Kobe, moves. <laughs> what's that? I said, if you call these moves, I mean, it's so cringy to watch just on face value. Not even thinking thing. about it. So I hate, I hate that you're going to make me play this. I hate it. Play this. Let's, let's watch. It. All right, here it is. Two wheels. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, and by I, the way. One of the biggest uh, mask fanatics of them all, Colbert, you know, hates people don't wear masks. No mask, no mask on Stephen Colbert. The pretty people don't wear masks. He dances with Schumer and they high five each other. This is a late night, quote unquote, comedian who made his name mocking, you know, the powerful, mocking Bill O'Reilly and mocking politically powerful people in D.C. And now he's up dancing with Chuck Sch- and who's the woman? I don't even know who that is. Do we know who that is? I don't know. I'm not the sure. Ice cream? And she's dancing away. And I mean, the idea that someone saw this and he thinks it's okay, it just blows my mind. As I said, Greg Gutfeld is beating Colbert in the ratings now. And there's a reason because he will see this video and he will lead with it. It'll be, he will mock the hell out of it. And he's the only one who will do it. You know, Jimmy Kimmel and Seth Myers and Jimmy Fallon and John Oliver and the rest of those frauds. They won't touch this. Now, now their their argument, so Colbert's argument would be, well, I'm an entertainer. I'm not a newscaster. I'm not a whatever. But you want your media to speak truth to power. You want them to mock the powerful. I mean, that's the edginess. That's that's the fun part of it. If you're just towing the administration's line or the you know the government's line, you're just a mouthpiece for them. You lose you lose all credibility. You lose all edge. No one wants to see. Think, that. think of again if if that were again Tucker Carlson with Mitch McConnell, which right. is comparable. That would be all they would do. Yeah. On those late night com- comedy shows, that's all they would do. That's all you know. John Oliver and the rest of them and Seth Meyers. They wouldn't do anything else. Uh, Trevor Noah. It's their guy Stephen Colbert. Even though they're competitors, see another thing. They're competitors, but ideology trumps, you know, the business for them. They're they're more interested in protecting their friend, their kindred spirit, Stephen Colbert, than they are in doing, you know, a funny show. It's just remarkable. And I look forward to 11 o'clock tonight seeing Gutfeld play that 
and just mock the hell out of Colbert and Schumer and anyone else. But uh, uh, let's get to uh, let's get to Nancy because this this is this is even this should be this is even more disturbing. This is more disturbing because right now this is Monday morning in some parts of the country. It's late August and kids are going back to school and there are parents wrapping their eight-year-olds faces in cloth and and telling them they have to leave it on for the next eight hours i can't imagine as i've said to turtle boy and shattuck and everyone else with elementary school age children how hard that must be and how the kids must be like why and you and you say because the you know the principal says you have to or the superintendent says you have to or the governor or mayor says you have to there's no reason behind it there's no science it's it's insane but it's all about conforming it's all about submitting complying and you have to watch the powerful, like Stephen Colbert, maskless. You have to watch the really powerful, like Nancy Pelosi, host a fundraiser in Napa. And I've seen a couple of different uh, versions of this. It's either 10000 a plate or it's 30000 a plate, whatever. It's very, very wealthy donors in Napa with Nancy Pelosi paying at least ten grand per plate. There's hundreds of them. And they're all white and they're all rich and they're shoulder to shoulder sitting down for their arugula salad and the servants the servants are masked up the 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 wealthy and the powerful are not and they are right next to each other on top some of them are old gray some of them are overweight they don't care about wearing masks again we'll say it every day the people telling you to worry about the virus aren't worried about the virus. It is all about power and control. Nancy Pelosi, we know, she went maskless to have her hair done when no one else was allowed to get their hair done. And then when she got caught, she tried to ruin the poor working class hairdresser who was there and agreed to do her hair. She held a fundraiser yesterday or over the weekend in Napa for hundreds of wealthy people, zero masks. Oh, I'm sorry, not zero. The servants had to wear masks. The, the wealthy people did not. These are people, these are the very people demanding you wrap your child's face in cloth before they go to school or before they go play soccer or before they go do anything. It is, they are insistent, insistent that if you don't wrap your eight-year-old's face in cloth, then your you're eight-year-old's a murderer. And none of them, none of them believe it. None of them follows their own rules. It is one of the great examples of the hypocrisy of the COVID era we will ever see. And the, uh, and the caption too, of the, of, of the event of the event or someone who, you know, posted on social media, something like, you know, with, with uh, Pelosi discussing critical issues for all, you know, for all, especially us here in Napa Valley. It's like, have you ever been to Napa Valley? It's mansions and vineyards. What critical issues are you talking about? Is there any sound to this? Obviously, it's a visual. It's, you see the people just getting served, and they just look like the big, the, oh, just most obnoxious people. You kind of hope for, I don't know, a little food poisoning in the arugula, just because these <laughs> people are so obnoxious. Well, but, no, so the the no, the the audio quality is not good. You just hear like wind and Pelosi way, way, way in the background. So I didn't pull it because it's it's not it's not something we could really listen to. It's it, well, you'll. I did if tweet it. I put it in our chat here, the a link to it, so that people could. People could look at it. Okay, it's just like I described. Hundreds of these people, shoulder to shoulder, giving money to Nancy Pelosi and other powerful people. I'm sure every single one of these people has probably donated to Gavin Newsom to save his ass. And and you're not going to find a bigger mask fanatic or just like a crack COVID crackdown guy than Gavin Newsom. They're all for cracking down on your children, cracking down on you, but they ain't following those rules. And it's it's 
getting to the point, and like I said, the next couple of weeks are going to be big because people are so sick of following these rules, knowing that the powerful people don't believe it, don't care, that they don't, that they you know fly anywhere they want to go, they eat wherever they want to eat, they don't give a damn about about masking up or social distancing. Oh, we got to get to Australia. We got to get to Australia. Let me do uh, let me do Shay and uh, whatever else we got today and get to Australia because it is scary what's happening in Australia. And if that's coming here, man, it's going to get even uglier than I thought. It is going to get wild. But first, let's talk about Shea Concrete. Did you know that Shea Concrete is the largest manufacturer of recon retaining wall systems in North America? Well, you do now. In fact, in 2020, Shea set a new company record when they manufactured 178,000 square feet of retaining wall. This is a testament to Shea's legendary teamwork from engineering to manufacturing to dispatch and delivery. As the guys at Shea like to say, teamwork makes the teamwork. They do. I've seen them. I've been around them when they say that. Shea Concrete's high-performing precast concrete retaining walls stand up to New England's active climate and come in a wide variety of shapes, designs, and textures to meet your retaining wall needs. So whether you need a residential, a commercial, or an industrial application, Shea has a dedicated team that will assist you with conceptual design, site walks, and installation. Let Shea show you the way. Call Shea Concrete at 800-696-SHEA. That's 800 696 S-H-E-A, or just log on to SheaConcrete.com. All right, the, uh, the, the situation in Australia. See, I always think of Australia, obviously it's a, a prison colony originally, but we think of it as a free place, you know, a democracy. We think it is, you know, we're, we're brothers. We're, you know, we're, we believe in freedom and democracy. And you go there to, you know, fish and surf and hunt and look at wild animals and that kind of stuff. Go see the, uh, the coral reef. and. Uh, it it now when you look at Australia in the news, it feels like, you know, uh, pre the Soviet Union, like feels like you know Czechoslovakia, one of the Soviet satellites before the fall of the Soviet Union, where the Stasi or the secret police was cracking down on anybody, any dissenters. Every day, out of Australia comes these scary, disturbing videos of cops beating people. Is it like a montage of cops beating people? You know, for public health. Because people are are sick of being locked down, you're the the government has um has ordered that you can exercise for only one hour a day, one hour a day of exercise, and you must wear a mask. So if you're going to jog, I think you, there's a limit of the miles you can go from your home if you're going to jog or walk, and you have to be masked the entire time. And if you're not, they will arrest you, rough you up, take you to a uh, internment camp. That's real. This, I mean. This was kind of, I don't know, it, it, it's not funny, but this is where we're point we've reached in Australia. And I think a lot of people pro- probably saw the story yesterday like I did and said, what? I got to read this. They are shooting dogs, killing dogs. And I'm thinking, why do the dogs have COVID? Is that what? The, it's not because the dogs have COVID. Because they're trying to stop people from traveling to the dog pound to look at the dogs and maybe adopt the dogs. So they want to eliminate that that reason people leave their houses. So their solution is kill the dogs. That's, I mean, you wonder what crazy COVID measure is coming next. I didn't see this one coming, Carano. Did not see the solution to, you know, the spike in cases, not deaths, cases, you know, where college kids get the sniffles for a day or two. That 
react the reaction to that is let's kill dogs so people can't go to the the pound and look at the dogs we're talking dog single dogs. digit cases or and we're talking you know low like zero to one death in the rolling seven average it's it's just i never so i you're right i think when i think of australians i think of independent hardy people it's a tough land to live in because you got so much desert and then you got all these huge animals that kill you, giant spiders and sharks and all sorts of stuff that kill you i think they're in my impression has always been these are these are hardy people but these are now whipped people that they're putting up with this there were there were no recent coronavirus cases in the town of Kobar, where they the shelter the animal shelter is where they're killing the dogs no cases but there were quote fragments of COVID detected in yeah. the area's sewage yes. sewage sewage treatment plant. Someone pooped out have, some COVID strands and <laughs> they shut down the country. Zero cases, and they're killing dogs at the shelter to keep people from going to the shelter. It is frightening what is happening. Countrywide, Jerry. Countrywide, six hundred and fifty cases. Um, then there was, you know, worldwide condemnation of this, but they don't care. Just like New Zealand, they shut down New Zealand for one case. Jerry, country, case. countrywide, Australia, three deaths. The rolling seven-day average in deaths in the entire continent of Australia is four. Well, what happened to people? What the hell is going on? I oh. mean, <laughs> and I don't want to go there. I don't ever want to go there. I used to think I want to go there someday. I don't ever want to go there. I don't want to see these people who think the solution to this, you know, this, no cases, but there was some COVID detected in the, in the sewage plant that we must kill dogs and lock people down and put them in tournament camps and, and, and ban everything. You can't leave your home. You can't eat out. You can't travel. You can't leave the country. Police <laughs> patrolling to make sure the kids aren't at parks outside playing. Yeah. Without masks, right? I mean, literally, they are arresting. There's this video of a kid getting pepper sprayed. I think the kid's like ten. Yeah, he got pepper sprayed because he didn't have a mask on. They've gone utterly insane of in Australia, which is kind of frightening. We haven't reached that point yet here. I'm going to tell you when we will, though, Car uh, Carano. Do you want to? Uh, so I also have uh, one other thing on Australia, just in case you wanted to hit it. But there, sure. there, we talked about this before. We went live as well that that there was a protest in Melbourne and the police responded with force, rubber bullets and, and tear gas. I've got some sound. Right. They said the first time they can remember the police using rubber bullets and tear gas on protesters. And it's because people want to leave their homes. You know, people want to go to work. So they're shooting them with rubber bullets. Why do we have the video? I've got the sound, uh, but you can hear, right. you can hear the shots and uh, here it is. Like any protest before in Melbourne, they've started to use this tool. The rubber bullets against their own citizens. You hear all that, the firing and the coughing and all that. So that's from uh, Avi Yemeni, he's uh, Rebel News in Australia. Wow, it, it, it's it's scary. I, I lost all respect for Australia, like you said. I think of it, you know, freedom loving. You think they would leave the fight to, you know, to 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 end the lockdowns and end the restrictions and go back to work and go back to their lives. But no, it's just the opposite. They must stay locked down until the virus is completely eliminated, which by the way, is never going to happen. You know, even, even if we all get booster shots, even if there's plenty of, um, you know, social distancing, everything else, it's going to be part of our lives. Like the flu is, there's going to be people getting coronavirus. Hopefully they're not old or obese. By the way, uh, there was a couple of, people over the weekend who were suffering with coronavirus who were obese 
And we're not allowed to like point that out. You just look at a picture of somebody and they're struggling and suffering from uh, uh, COVID and they're like 400 pounds. And you say, maybe we should, along with social distancing and uh, masking up and, and everything else, canceling stuff, maybe we should encourage people to, I don't know, lose a few pounds if it could save their lives. Why not? We, we try to convince people to quit smoking, don't we? Why don't we try to convince people to mix in a salad lose a few pounds and live. Why is that kind of off limits? Yeah, and of, and of course, I, I would never advocate for any of this, but there, it's the same argument of forcing someone to take a shot as it is forcing someone on a treadmill. It's the same argument. So, yeah, And, 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 and I, I think we'll remember that forever, that the reaction, the response for the, from the government to this virus that kills the obese is to shut down the gyms and leave McDonald's and Wendy's open. And never, ever... I mean, can you imagine one of these tyrants, you know, the Charlie Baker, you know, Andrew Cuomo types, Whitmer, de Blasio ever going on camera and saying, listen, you fatties, you're going to die if you don't get, you know, get out there and, you know, and take a walk. If you don't stop overeating, you could die. They will never say that. It's remarkable how that's just, how about Fauci? You think that fraud would ever go on and say, listen, it really is affecting the obese. You must try to trim down yeah they can't fat shame but they can say oh all you young and healthy people we're not going to play games anymore we're going to force you into cars and shoot you up with the with the vaccine yeah and if you don't get the vaccine we're not going to give you health care i love those people say we should not allow someone who's not vaccinated to take up a bed in the icu well how about the guy that's taking up three beds because he's 450 pounds can we shame him to getting in shape and maybe living his living uh, longer not getting not dying from this virus because he's so overweight. No, can't do that. That's off limits. But you know, maybe someday, maybe someday we'll say, you know what? Maybe we should have left the gyms open. Maybe you know we should have closed the Sonic and left the, the gyms open. But no, we're not going to do that. Um, but this could get interesting. Every day in the NFL and and in all professional sports, there's people testing positive, even if they're vaccinated, and we know they have different. Um, measures COVID measures for guys who were vaccinated mike vrabel head coach of the tennessee titans was the latest he tested positive even though he's vaccinated i think it's i don't know what it is two-day quarantine or something when you're vaccinated last week the titans played the tampa bay buccaneers and mike vrabel spent a lot of time with tom brady their old teammates and friends we still don't have an answer do you realize this corona we still don't have an answer definitive answer on whether Tom Brady is vaccinated. No one's asked. I mean, the I th- I have to believe that the Boston media, as you know, milk toast as they are, would ask Tom Brady if he was vaccinated. They but they won't even ask him in Florida. They won't even ask. It's embarrassing. Um, he avoided the subject one day when someone talked about you know the the, the vaccination uh, procedures in general and what percentage the team is at. I believe there are some teams have reached one hundred percent. Not the Bucks. We don't know who it's not who the holdouts are because um, there are rules where you have to wear a mask on the sideline when you're not vaccinated. But there's generally people believe if Brady wanted to, he would violate those rules. He'd just do it his way because he doesn't want. I still don't think he's vaccinated. I still think he believes he's not really susceptible to this disease because he lives such a healthy life and uh, in diet and exercise and pliability and everything. And I think. He is, um, you know, probably never get it because, you know, that's the kind of life he leads. But wouldn't that be something if Tom Brady, because he was uh, hanging around Mike Vrabel just before opening weekend, 
or you know, a couple of weeks before opening weekend, Brady has to uh, quarantine because he's got it. And if he does, if he's not vaccinated, I believe it's six days or seven days that you have to sit out. That would be a pretty big story. Oh, it'd but, be a huge uh, story. Yeah. But we won't find out until, unless something happens. Um, I mean, yeah. but if he gets it, you know, he's most like he's right. Like he'll be fine. He's health. He's super fit. He's healthy. He's young. Like he's, he's fine. But and his son, by the way, his son, who I don't even know how old Jack uh, is, is uh, was with him too when he was around uh, Vrabel a lot last week. But uh, you're right. If he gets it, so in his mind, that's what he's thinking. If I get it, so what? I'll, I'll be fine after a couple of days. I'll, I'll get the, immune, uh, the, the antibodies. I won't have to get it again. He's not fat. You know, he's not old. He's not, I don't think he has any underlying conditions or comorbidities, so he'll be fine. But it will still be a huge, huge story. story because... Yeah. As you know, and we don't have people who are, you know, killing dogs in this country, but we sure do have these vaccine, crazy vaccine people that if you don't get the shot for whatever reason, I mean, if you're young and healthy, you know, I'm not sure why you would get the shot. Brady's not young anymore, but if you're 21 and healthy, you can't, you know, go to a concert. You can't, hell, you can't work. I mean, many companies, certainly many uh, you know, states and local governments will not hire you. They'll fire you if you don't get the experimental vaccine. It's reached peak lunacy in terms of vaccine. But I guess if you look at uh, if you look at Australia, it could get worse. Well, you said earlier uh, it hasn't gotten to that point here yet, but you thought that there was maybe something that would, would make that happen, some sort of event or something. Do you, you want to expound on that a little bit? I don't know what the, the event would be. I guess someone like, you know, you know, someone like Brady, someone famous, yeah. just super, super famous, some, I don't know, big movie star, big athlete, but they would have to get sick. Like, and you know, if Brady gets it, he's not going to get really sick. The, they keep, you, you, the media keeps focusing on people who are unvaccinated. This talk show host in Tennessee died the other day, Phil Valentine, and he was not he was I'm not anti-vaxxing, but he was, uh, you know, uh, he was a skeptic, you know, a mask skeptic, a vaccine skeptic. And he died at age 61. And the media, obviously, they were thrilled. There was people. Oh, you know, they love that working. stuff. Yeah. I, I think it was Martina Navratilova tweeting about how he deserved it or something. I mean, that's what you get. And uh, apparently, if you're, you know, 800 pounds and you die, that's tragic, even though as long as you're vaccinated, if you're young and fit and you die because you didn't get vaccinated, they can mock you. But if you're 800 pounds and you die, as long as you're vaccinated, you're cool. No problem. Just get the vaccine. There's nothing else we can do here. We can't fat shame you, as you point out. But we'll see if Brady, uh, see who's going to get affected. It's going to happen. It's going to be part of our life. If you can get the virus, even though you're vaccinated, you know, two or three times, even though you get a booster, even though you wear a mask, then that means it's not going away. That means it's part of our lives. That means it's part of the sports world, the NFL, NBA, whatever. There's going to be guys getting the virus, sitting out a day or two, coming back and dealing with that. It's not going away. You have people like you who get the sniffles, and uh, now you're <laughs> waiting. Now you're waiting on oh, your. You're going uh, to out me uh, with this uh, yes. HIPAA, HIPAA stuff? Yeah. So uh, we're recording a part today. I, I just felt like a little bit of congestion. Didn't want to take a shot with. Uh, well, I didn't appreciate want to kill off you. Jerry. I appreciate you looking out for me, seeing yeah, how. But I'm, I feel uh, fine. I feel fine. But that's the way it works with someone like you. You're not fat. You're not old. You're not. You don't have, as far as I know, a lot of comorbidities. Do you? No, no, no. I'm generally very healthy. That's so. You're gonna. You're gonna get it, and you're probably not even gonna know it. I Maybe mean, you could have it. Yeah, I could. I could. Could. But 
Yeah, I, I think, right, I bet on my immune system and my lifestyle that I'm going to be fine. And if you look at all the statistics, it says I'm going to be fine. Okay, so we're not going to kill the dogs in your neighborhood just uh, in case, you know, we don't want you leaving your house. No, no, no. And, and just to say, I'm not, we're not saying we have, I have COVID. I have a little bit, I'm a little congested. You could hear my voice, I, but I just didn't want to take any chances. Just uh, well, case. I appreciate it. Yes. I appreciate it. Right. By the way, they, they shoot the dogs in Australia, right? They took I mean, everyone's guns away. Nobody has guns in Australia. They confiscated all the weapons, which is what makes it even scarier when you see people getting rounded up and put in internment camps because they, you know, didn't whatever get the get the vaccine. That's the difference because there's a there's a potential cost to that if you try to do that here, where there's not as there's no cost to that there. Well, I'm not sure people are going to take up arms and fight the government. Oh, I mean, it's simple. It's simple math. I mean, look at what happened in uh, Northern Ireland. Like, and you know, if if the government puts their thumb down enough, the U.S. doesn't have enough people to go door to door and confiscate the guns. It's just, it's just eventually, it's not worth it's not worth the struggle. <sighs> All right. Well, we will leave it there. We'll keep an eye on that. See the uh, see if see if Brady comes out of this okay. Um, he will. I told you last year after he won the Super Bowl, I'm never, ever questioning anything Brady does again. He's going to win the Super Bowl this year, next year, the year after. He's going to be 63 years old and win the Super Bowl. I'm never, ever, ever picking against him to do anything. He's just, he's special, okay? He's special. He's going to, he's going to win. He's going to, he's going to, everybody has problems in their life. Everyone is going through a quiet struggle. You ever hear that expression? Yes. Be kind to people because you don't know what kind of struggle they're going through. We all have our struggles, except Tom Brady. He doesn't have any struggles. No problems, no struggles. He's Everything in his life is perfect. That's why he's different than you or me. But we will leave it there. We'll let you go, uh, you know, take your, what, what are you, taking Dayquil? You got any Sudafed? No, I don't take that crap. I have vitamin C and uh, vitamin D like a, like a real man. Yeah, good. When do you get your test back? Uh, I Next couple of days, yeah. That's, I thought it was quicker than that, isn't it? Well, like there's one a, day? Yeah, there's a, there, it just depends on, you know how these people are. It, it just right. depends on, on how backed up they are. There is a, uh, there's like an immediate test where you get back in a couple hours, but there's, there's, they didn't have, that wasn't available in my area. So I just, right, I just took a, a regular one. I had to stick the little Q-tip up my own nose and swab Did it you? around. Super, yeah. Really? Yeah, you just go through the drive through now. It's super simple and quick. You put it up your own nose? Yeah, and it's it's tick like you have to you, you go swab it like a halfway and super ticklish and go like around I, a couple revolutions and just sit there for like 15 seconds. I, I wanted to sneeze. It's it, it's so irritating to do to yourself. I'm not sure I could do that. It's, it's not easy to do. But well, I recommend trying anyway, well, 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 good luck, Karana. We will be uh, <laughs> waiting, oh, anxiously awaiting the results and we'll be apart until you uh, Yeah, you yeah, get, yeah. I think that's it. just in case get a, a negative result i appreciate it but sure. uh, we will leave it there thanks to everybody for listening and watching and commenting any good comments that i miss i can't uh, can't do this so i can't do the show and read the comments just don't have the ability no that's fine i mean i just we were you know some of the dog stuff uh, got people got people up in arms some yep. people talking about fat shaming good vac shaming uh or sorry fat shaming bad vac shaming good all sorts of stuff in the comments i, I talked to them i talked to the people good Appreciate it. That's uh, that's your job. Um, but uh, let's leave it there. I will. Um, we'll do this again tomorrow because this stuff is just getting going to get crazier. I can't even imagine the worst case scenario in in Kabul or in Afghanistan. I can't imagine if there are like mass casualties or mass hostages 
and we're leaving it up to the dementia patient in the White House to 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 lead us through this crisis. I can't. I mean, I try not to think about it. Try not to think about the worst case scenario. We'll think about the best case scenario that our brave servicemen and women get these people out, get them home, get them here, get them out of harm's way. But if this goes sideways, man, are we going to be tested as a nation? But uh, we will see how it goes and hope for the best. Uh, I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan Show. And we will do it again tomorrow. Why am I stopping? No one else stops. I don't. Can I go home? The Jerry Callahan Podcast. Pluto TV is playing the biggest movies every night this summer for free. Watch hit movies like The Matrix, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Scary Movie, Runaway Bride, and more all summer long. Check out the biggest stars like The Rock, Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and more. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of free TV channels in English and Spanish featuring TV shows, news, sports, comedy, and more, all for free. Download the free Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device, including Android and Apple smartphones. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. And we're back with breaking news. The new Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. With an improved taste and zero calories, make sure... Jim. Ooh, yes. This tastes like the best Coke ever to me. We're on the air. I need to try it first. Con cero azúcar y ahora mucho más rica. ¿Será que la nueva Coca-Cola Zero Sugar es la mejor de todas? Descúbrela. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter, iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.